You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we got to let it breathe as we bring on the clan from Facebook land and get all of MHH under the, the tent, as it were. And we will get this party started. Apologies for being a tad tardy, but, you know, it is Prime Day. Right, Zach? I mean, that's right. Monday. I mean, you know, we are going to take advantage. What's up, Des? Welcome in to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, my fellow football priest, the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, who had a very interesting article we're going to get to here in just a minute. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I was all about, all about the Broncos seeing what was going on potentially with the Mitchell Schwartz. And then you had an article today where there was someone out there in sports media land connecting the Schwartz. May the Schwartz be with you to the Denver Broncos. I'll pull up the article, but drop some knowledge on us. Well, we're in that player X should sign with the Broncos period of the NFL offseason. We're in that five-week respite between minicamp and training camp. So we're going to see these aggregated kind of stories about Broncos' potential targets in free agency. And mentioned on that list, it was a list from Bleacher Report of seven free agents. And the Broncos were actually listed with uh, Steven Nelson as well, a former Steelers cornerback. The last thing the Broncos need. And also Morgan Moses, by the way, who's negotiating with the Jets, might join them. But anyway, about Mitchell Schwartz, yeah, they were they were named a logical landing spot, as you can see, along with uh, four other teams, the Bears, Dolphins, Titans, uh, and also I believe it was another team. I don't know. I don't know why it's not listed there. I think it was Bears, Dolphins, Titans, Broncos, whatever. Anyway, yeah, so Mitchell Schwartz, former chief starter, uh, former – Long-time starter for them, former All-Pro, as you can see, three-time first, second-team, one-time first-team All-Pro. As you guys know, he's locked down Von Miller in the past. He's been in the NFL for going on a decade now. One of the better tackles of this generation. The only issue is he had a back injury last year, which limited him and ended a 7,100, I think, snap streak of Mitchell Schwartz's. So uh, there's that to keep in mind, his medicals, what he might bring to the table at his age right now. And I also question, I know Brad Gagnon, however you pronounce his last name, he's not too abreast with the Broncos matters. Maybe he didn't realize they already signed two veteran tackles and Bobby Massey and Cam Fleming. They also have Himmelman. They also have Quinn Bailey, Calvin Anderson. They are decently set at tackles, so I don't think Schwartz is coming to Denver. But like I said, at this stage of the offseason, it makes it for an interesting discussion. At the very least. Let me tell you how you know when you read a Zach Kelberman article that you're reading the prose of a veteran, right? This cat worked in the word thrice into this article. <laughs> all right. Good word. This is a guy that's got a lot. You want to talk about time on task and reps? Uh, to <laughs> share a lot friend. of these. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Schwartz, look, I would love it. And especially if he was, even if you if he was healthy and Zach, even if you had to kind of nurse him along and he missed the first quarter of the season, I mean, we're talking about Von Miller kryptonite, you know, um, right. there was one or two games I can remember during Schwartz's time as a chief that Vaughn had a game where you could, you could say, look, he showed up, you know, he made an impact, but for the most part, man, Schwartz, 
he had Vaughn's number and Vaughn would be the first one to say that, you know, he, that was the guy that he traditionally struggled against and every player, whether it be NBA, NFL, whatever, every individual kind of has that kryptonite guy, you know, that opposing nemesis. And I think for Vaughn, it's Mitchell Schwartz, but it always comes down to the health factor. And in the case of Schwartz, we don't know yet, but look, dude, if, if Eric Fisher could get a deal, you know what I'm saying? Like, why couldn't Mitchell Schwartz, unless, you know, he's still quite behind the, uh, you know, behind the eight ball on his recovery? Well, from his point of view, too, it's wouldn't you want to at this stage of your career? You already want a ring. You've made some money. Why wouldn't you want to at least join a contending team? The only incentive he would have to join the Broncos is to face Kansas City twice a year. So I'm sure he'd be getting other offers, even though his market's been ice cold, ice cold since uh, the, the Chiefs let him go. And there's a reason for that. Maybe the back injury is something that's career-threatening. Maybe it's more serious than he wants to let on right now. But if the Broncos didn't sign two tackles after losing Juwan James and releasing him, I can see him going after Schwartz. But why bother right now? Even with the salary cap space, why would you want to invest more in that position? There's only one starter. So you're going to have two veteran backups and two younger backups. It makes uh, little sense from a roster schematic point of view, at least to me. Yeah, that fly in the ointment, too, is it's not like he had back surgery last fall. He had surgery just in February, you know, so he's four months in almost um, since he had that. So it's a situation to monitor. But honestly, Zach, as much as I would love to see a Mitchell Schwartz suiting up in the orange and blue, you want to talk about solving right tackle for a few years, that would do it. You can't get your hopes up because, as you mentioned, Bobby Massey, Cam Fleming, Broncos already laid out some coin. And even though they have a nice little cushion as it as it stands on the salary cap, I think still they're the number two in the NFL with the most cap space. I mean, how many tackles do you need? Plus you got right. um, Calvin Anderson, which I know Eric Trickle has a video coming out on Calvin here within the next day or two you guys can watch for. So um, who knows, though, Zach? Maybe you get to camp and things aren't shaping up between Massey and Fleming the way that Mike Munchak hoped. But – and then you use a little Evan Mathis money to go see if you can pluck Schwartz. But it sounds like that back is a little bit more nagging and serious than you might realize, you know, or I should say that we might realize. But still, man, Eric Fisher, when did he tear his Achilles? Wasn't that late season, if I remember mm-hmm. right? Like right before the playoffs or in the playoffs? And, man, Achilles usually takes longer. But backs are fickle. As someone who's broke their back, I broke my back in 2007. When I say I broke my back, my T4 vertebrae, you know, those little tiny step ladders, like, you know, yay. I was literally standing on one of those, went to step down. It was this, you know, it was only this tall off the ground. I went to step down and I just misjudged this, this step and I went straight down on my butt. It was like my spine did a slinky effect. It went, and I just, it felt like someone kicked me right between the shoulder blades and you get the, like the solar plexus where you feel like you got the wind knocked out of you. And I'm like, oh, I catch my breath. And for like that whole next month, my back was just killing me. And finally, my wife's like, you need to go in and get this looked at. Went in the old MRI machine and, the, and I come out and the doc's like, yeah, dude, you broke your back. I fractured my T4 vertebrae. But the good news for me was no surgery because there was no disc damage. It just needed to heal. But the problem is when you have back pain or a back injury, like in the case of Mitchell Schwartz, you start because you're in pain and discomfort you compensate. So you start carrying your weight different. You start, your posture gets affected. And then that throws everything else all skiwampus. So backs, vertebrae, man, Zach, they are a fickle thing. 
I think it's time to abolish all stepladders. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> yeah. Now? yeah, get them <laughs> out of here. In today's society. You know, isn't um, Fisher a little younger than Schwartz? That could be why he got a deal. I'm, I'm may- maybe I'm wrong about that. But also someone like Schwartz, veteran players uh, who are waiting on a deal to come through at this stage of the offseason with really nothing to play for. He's won a ring. He's made a lot of money. He's going to skip training camp. He's going to skip the preseason. He's going to sign with a contender not having to do any of that work come late August, early September. So the Broncos aren't going to wait that long. That's why I don't think they're going to go after Schwartz. They're content right now with Massey and Fleming battling for that right tackle spot. Yeah, and for what it's worth, Fisher is two years younger. Could explain it. Guys, that being really the only you know newsworthy story to go over today what we're going to do is start turning the page toward breaking down the roster previewing excuse me previewing some of the key and crucial and fiercest excuse me uh camp battles that we can look forward to when the broncos return to the building july 27th so we're gonna get started with that whatever's on y'all's mind of course including slide guy here uh slide and glide bros here we'll get to your super here in just a minute Hold, hold on just a minute uh, first, a few really quick matters of business. Connect on social media, starting with Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, at Mile High Huddle. Our producer, trust me when I say you want to connect with him on Twitter, Buona Beast. On Twitter, though, at John K, MHH. My partner here is at Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL. And myself, at Chad and Jensen. Make sure you are liking and following the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page. We really, really need you guys over there. I mean, it's done well. I think, Zach, we're... I don't know. We're well into the 2000s, but it's still just a drop in the bucket. And I understand, you know, not everyone uses Facebook. Facebook's like, I know my son, I'm like, hey, he wants to get an Oculus, right? You know, this like VR video camera. He's got his birthday coming up. And I'm like, man, that's a pretty penny. So I'm looking into it. Turns out you need to get a face. You have to have a Facebook account to have an Oculus, right? It's like mandatory. And uh, he's like, Facebook, dude, what? I don't know. No, dude, no one I know is on Facebook. I'll, I mean, I'll get it, but I'm not like stoked to get a Facebook account. They're using Snapchat, kids. They're using Instagram. That's how that's how they roll. But Facebook still, if you're on Facebook, we need you over there. Like, follow, either navigate on your browser, facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod, or just open up the app, search Mile High Huddle. Kindly consider becoming a Mile High Huddle supporter on Facebook. If you go to our main Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. You'll see the big blue button that says become a supporter. It's five bucks a month. Click that, sign up. You immediately help keep the lights on. And then also you get access to our premium VIP video and pod content, which includes the flagship Kelberman's Corner, which includes the Trickle Zone. And as we debuted on Saturday, Broncos Book Club with yours truly, we're starting with uh, uh, John Elway, A Relentless Life. So far, so good. It's been really fun. If you want access to that, Go become a supporter. Click that big blue button. Shout out to all of our super supporters who have pulled the trigger for us over there on Facebook. And then, guys, also check out the merch store when you get a second. HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. That site is – that URL, if you memorize it, is always going to divert you to our merch. But here very, very soon, within the next week or so, on YouTube, underneath the boxes you watch live or any video, there's going to be the option for you to grab merch on YouTube so you're not having to navigate back and forth. But for now, go to huddleuppod.com, get your swag on. And if you're not in a position to do those things, gang, hey, it's all good. We understand. We're seriously just grateful to have you with us. Make sure you're subscribed. Please like the video if you're on Facebook or YouTube. Please leave a like. 
and then share this if you think we're doing a good job or if at the very least if you respect the effort because that helps us reach those like-minded Broncos fans that are just like you only they're out there wandering the desert completely ignorant oblivious to the fact that we're out here this community waiting to embrace them all right without further ado we'll we'll get to some uh some breakdowns here of the camp battles, but let's start here with slide and glide bros. Super chat. Thank you for that. My friend, appreciate you. You've been uh, very consistent the last few weeks. So keep it up. My friend, he says, what's up fellas. What are the odds? Kendall Hinton makes the team. The wide receiver room is going to have a battle in camp. Also thoughts on Mitchell Schwartz. I doubt it. Yeah. We covered the Schwartz thing, but what is your thought Zach on Hinton after Vic Fangio said, hey, this dude's going to be a factor for the roster. Like, he is going to be pushing for one of those roster spots. And how many did they carry last year? Didn't they carry seven when they kept Deontay Spencer? Or, or am I misremembering that? might have been six. Either way, your thoughts on, on Kendall Hinton? That was going to be my answer. It depends on how many receivers the Broncos end up carrying because four or five are locked. Locked into a, a spot on the 2020 squad, 2021 squad, excuse me. You have Jerry, Judy, Corlin Sutton, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick. Then you drafted Seth Williams. You have Tyree Cleveland. There's some other players you have at that position as well. Deontay Spencer, too. So unless they carry seven, Kendall Hinton, great success story uh, in some aspects, a great player for the team, a great story overall. But you have to think of it from your personnel standpoint. Is Does he deserve a roster spot over a natural receiver that you drafted this year? Or can you fit Hinton onto the practice squad and get by there? So I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I like what he's done so far this offseason. But I, I'm not going to turn down a better player because he started a quarterback last year. Great, you know, great story and all, but it doesn't. It's not going to, you know, incentivize me to keep someone else over him because of that solely alone. I know that he definitely earned the love, respect, and appreciation of the coaches, the front office, his teammates for stepping into the freaking gap there against all odds and having to do something no quarterback in NFL history has ever been asked to do. That earned him some points, but you're right, Zach. It's, it only goes so far. What have you done for me lately? This is a log jam position, but here's the good news. If you're Kendall Hinton, people I have talked to that have watched every single practice that's been open to the media up to this point, tell me that Hinton looks like the truth, that he is looking juiced up and good. And let's not forget, even though Kendall Hinton played most of his collegiate career at Wake Forest as a quarterback. That last year, his senior year, brand new to the position, went over a 1,000 yards with crappy quarterback play. So this dude has some great – he was a dual-threat type quarterback, great athleticism, a lot of juice. If he's able to you know, really get down the finer nuances of route running and all that stuff, all bets are off. But if he does end up making the roster, Zach – I would see that as bad news for, as you already mentioned, Seth Williams, right? One of this this year's pick, maybe a Tyree Cleveland, definitely a Deontay Spencer. Yeah, so someone said in the comment, I missed Deshaun Hamilton. Definitely not. Uh, and, and the thing about Kendall Hinton, what receiver hasn't looked good in OTAs and in minicamp? Even Jerry Judy looks like the second coming of Jerry Rice, catching everything and scoring and this and that. If Hinton can do this, in the, in the preseason, when the pads go on and things start getting more real, then maybe I'll consider it. Maybe I'll consider taking someone like him over a rookie who invested a, a draft pick in. But until then, practice squad. That's his future. Shane Daniels jumping in with a super chat. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you for that. He says, it's my birthday, so I just want to drop in and say, keep up the great content and let them hate. Well, hey, Shane, 
Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you, my friend. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I would uh, sing the song to you right here, but it's actually a zealously protected tune from the copyright lords that would come down on us <clears throat> pretty hard. So happy birthday to you, bro. Yes. Thank you for tuning in and uh, let them hate, Shane. Thank you. Let them hate, baby. Um, all right. Let me just see here. And then I want to get to a few, <clears throat> excuse me, I got this frog in my throat, a few um, key camp battles to also, whoops, sorry about that. Just every once in a while, John and I will click on a, on a comment or a super chat at exactly the same time. Michaela, one day removed from celebrating her birthday, jumps in. Good to see you, Michaela. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for the support. She says, if Mitchell Schwartz could still play, he would have been signed by now. No? <clears throat> well, I think he can still play. It's just a matter of, is he healthy yet? You know, that's the that's the caveat. How far away is he from being ready? And the implication, based on the fact that he's still out there, is that we're talking about <clears throat> the best right tackle of his generation He's not ready yet. He's just not healthy yet. It's also on his terms. I mean, again, if you're coming off back surgery, but you're still an established player who's going to have some sort of market this coming season if you want to play, and if you can play, why would you go through the rigors of OTAs, of minicamp, of training camp, of the preseason? He doesn't need acclimation. He's He gets it down. He's almost a 10-year pro, one of the best tackles to do it in that time frame. So it doesn't take him that long. If he's going to sign, it's going to happen sometime in August, in early September, and he was, he's going to look for a contender. That's why I don't see him coming to Denver. Maybe if Denver, if he's unsigned going into like October and the Broncos start off 3-1, and one, he would consider it. But ask yourself, if you were Mitchell Schwartz, why you would choose Denver over, I don't know, Green Bay, Baltimore, a team like that. Right, right. Something to monitor, though. Uh, Travis, good to see you, brother. <clears throat> Jeez, man. One of these, one of our great, great Facebook super supporters says, good evening, my football priest. Working on going to the meetup in September. Awesome. Cool. <clears throat> Bringing my better half and my son. He's a diehard Broncos fan as well. Denver Broncos for life. That would be cool, man. Yeah, bring the whole gang. For those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, we're doing the MHH meet and greet. We're having a big old tent for you guys out in the parking lot of Empower Field at Mile High for the home opener. September 26th, that's week three, with Zach Wilson and the Jets. Zach coming to Mile High. Yeah, and uh, word has it we're going to have a dunk tank in the in the tailgate festivities. So uh, keep an eye out for that. We're, I'm so excited, though, to see everyone, to mingle with everyone, to finally do this meetup and put you know uh, faces to the names. I know you are as well, Chad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll put in a call to George and see if, hey, George, that, that dunk tank that uh, the boys dunked you on on field day, can we borrow that for just, <laughs> you know, a, a morning? Um, Chris wants to know on Facebook, who is someone who might get cut that would surprise mm. us? I don't know that there would really be any like, oh, my gosh, surprise cut. But the real the guys who are really, you know, a little bit more established vets that you wouldn't be shocked. Royce Freeman at the very top of that yes. list. Um, no one else really comes to mind, dude. I mean, you could maybe imagine a Josie Jewell or an Alexander Johnson, but I don't think so. I think the coaches love them. They know that Baron Browning isn't 100%. They know that Sternot has yet to prove a dat-gum thing. Can he stay healthy? Corners, they're pretty, they're pretty stout. They're not about to give up on Michael O. Uh, after one year, this isn't going to be an Isaac Yadam situation. Because this is a Fangio Donatel guy, Michael O, and Donatel just gushed about him. So I don't know. You got anyone else? 
Here's one that's just came. I feel like we got this question a couple weeks ago, and I said it's a good problem to have when we can't think of a surprise cut because the Broncos are that stacked from top to bottom. But here's a surprise, potentially. Bobby Massey, he hasn't practiced much. From what I've understood, uh, they like Cam Fleming at right tackle. They're high on Calvin Anderson. They gave Himmelman an EDFA deal. They have Quinn Bailey. So if Massey falls behind the eight ball, I know they gave him some guaranteed money. I could see him being a cut. Because, again, you can't make the club from the tub. It's simple as that. Yeah. Um, let me find this piece. Uh, Mike Munchak, uh, Bobby Massey. Um, this, uh, I had an article last week where Mike Munchak actually chimed in on Bobby Massey. I thought it was interesting. He talked to uh, Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post. And here's what he said about Massey up to this point. And as you said, you know, he's, they haven't been able to get him out of bubble wrap yet. But, quote, this is Munchak. For a guy going into his 10th year, he's still in very good shape. He's big, six foot six, 325 pounds, is long. And I still think he has a lot of football ahead of him. So, Zach, it sounds like, for what it's worth, Mike Munchak was one of the, and no, no duh, right, proponents of, hey, let's bring in Bobby Massey as opposed to, you know, uh, Dennis Kelly. He also didn't say he has a lot of football left in Denver. I mean, that's a very kind of a blanket statement that he made there. So if he doesn't start getting on the field and performing, Cam Fleming is holding it down. He's not my favorite, but obviously the Broncos saw enough in him. They signed him after Bobby Massey. So how much could they have liked Massey to begin with? By the way, Michael, no worries that you missed Sunday's pod. We're glad to have you back. Hope you enjoyed your Father's Day, my friend. Um, all right, let me see here. Let's uh, let's grab Jason O'Neill here. Thanks for being with us, Jason. He says, what's the story with the outside linebacker position? I hear the Broncos are possibly thin. Who are you guys hoping can step up at OLB? I mean, who do I hope? I mean, Jonathan Cooper, Derek Tuska, the guys that they drafted. Um, but I'm not holding my breath, really, right? Because Cooper – overcoming the heart ablation condition or procedure that he just had with his heart condition. Derek Tuska, I mean, when you've got – I know this was a year ago, so he's surely honed his NFL body. But when you've got the head coach saying, my dude needs to, like, figure out nutrition and, you know, NFL body, he's he's still a little light for us at edge, you got a problem. But they kept him around for a reason. And if you go back and watch Tuska's tape at North Dakota State, which it's hard to find because it's North Dakota State and it's Derek Tuska – the dude is just one of those kind of roughneck athletes that just finds a way to win. Like he finds a way to win his matchups. And so I'm really intrigued to see if he can make any noise this summer. But Fangio himself, Zach, said once you get beyond Vaughn, Chubb, and Malik, Why they're looking for two guys to step up. Yeah, you gave the answer I was going to give, so I'll change it up a little bit. I- I'm hoping Malik Reed wasn't a flash in the pan last year because, like like you just you know uh, said of, of Fangio, it's wide open after Malik Reed. They want Cooper to step up. They want Tuska to step up. But it really there is a fall-off after the OLB three spot. So I hope he can continue performing like he did last year. And also keep mm-hmm. in mind one thing. Fangio says, according to him anyway, they're going to play Baron Browning a little bit off edge as well. So you can get some dual versatility and maybe save a roster spot or try to maximize Baron Browning's productivity by playing him there as well. So maybe the sum of all their parts is what we should focus on here. Between Tuska, between Cooper, between Malik Reed, and a little bit of Baron Browning, they should be good at outside linebacker behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. By the way, show of hands, 
who went out and got Elway a relentless life so that you can follow along, be part of the conversation for Broncos Book Club. Dave, did you get it? Nor did, maybe you said you already had it. You were looking for a reason to crack her open. Make sure – hey, I don't think you're going to need to read along with me, all right, in order – because it's not like we're sitting here reading the book live. That's not what we're doing. There, there's times I'll quote from it and whatnot, but it's not like you have to read along to fully enjoy these podcast episodes, but I think it'll make it much more interesting instead of me just telling you my uh, you know insights and takeaways from a given chapter – you could throw in what you want to talk about and get into the conversation on that particular topic. So, um, all right, real quick, Zach. That was a funny comment. He said, vaccinated, intoxicated, ready to rock. It's my kind of guy. <laughs> all right. So let's really quick here, as we titled the episode, I want to give to you the key competitions this summer, as I see it, that are going to shape up like the fiercest and not just in terms of like it's going to be a hot competition, but, you know, the most scrutiny, the most media focus. Obviously, you got Drew. What's up, Diamond Rattler? Good to see you. Two nights in a row. Always great to have you. You got Teddy versus Drew. All right. That's going to be the marquee that we're going to be consumed most of our summer once we get to training camp talking about. But then I think at wide receiver, you've got some really interesting decisions. Not so much at, you know, the top two, three, four. Well, Top three positions you're not really worried about, but beyond that, who's going to make the roster? Running back, right? Is it going to be Melvin? Is it going to be Javante that ends up really, you know, being the number one running back? I, At this stage, I think it's pretty safe to say Melvin, it's his job to lose as far as opening the year as that guy. But can Javante, can Pookie supplant him between now and week one? Offensive line right tackle is going to be a competition between Massey, Fleming, and they will throw Anderson in there and just kind of see. Defense, though, what are some of the key competitions you could see shaking up in terms of meaningful competitions, camp battles? Well, we already talked about OLB with Cooper when he comes back from his heart procedure and Malik Reed. You also have inside linebacker with Johnson, Jewell, Baron Browning. You have um, – uh, Sernod coming back as well. Cornerback, you have a glut of corners with Sertan joining the group now. Safety, you have Stearns and Jamar Johnson. On KK two weeks ago, we went over some, uh, or three weeks ago, went over some potential training camp battles. And safety, I'm looking for, because not just from the two rookies, but one of those rookies, I think it's Jamar Johnson. He's going to be the future bookend to Justin Simmons. He's going to replace Kareem Jackson. So there's uh, competition all over the roster. Also on offense, center. Cushionberry and Miners. I mean, literally almost every single spot is up for grabs on this roster. And the good thing is they're so deep, we can't even name a player that could be a surprise cut. It's going to be makes. It's going to be an interesting summer and make for some intense competition that should only make the Broncos better overall. Indeed, and we're going to be doing a lot of talking about these competitions not only tonight, but as we inch farther and farther into the NFL summer. Geiger Gaming in the house joining us. Two nights in a row from Down Under. <clears throat> Great to have you. Thank you for the super. Thank you for the support. He says, could you see Tyler Eifert or Trey Burton, two veteran tight ends, being picked up as veteran depth? Zach, I could not see that just because you already have pass catchers. Tyler Eifert ain't looking to block a soul. That ain't his. That's not his gig. Trey Burton either. I mean, Trey Burton's probably a little bit more of a scrappy, you know, um, blocking tight end but neither are y guys they're, they're move tight ends these are both receiver types and tyler eifert is just a walking injury magnet right 
that's what that's what ended his um, his reign as a premier pass catching tight end in the league. But the Broncos, who was that tight end they brought in? I think you're the one that had the article for us. That veteran from Jacksonville. Uh, oh, what was his name? It'll come to me. Cybert. Yes. That's who they have in mind as their blocker because they got rid of Nick Vanette and then they got rid of Jeff Hireman the year prior. So that's who they kind of have earmarked for their two tight end sets. We need to run the freaking ball. Plus you got Andrew Beck, but it's really the Noah Fant, Albert O show. I mean, those are, who would you rather have Tyler Eifert and or Trey Burton or Noah Fant and Albert O I'm taking Noah Fant and Albert O every time, bro. I was going to say, if you hated Jake Butt, you would despise Tyler Eifert. You can you can injure him with a freaking feather. He's that injury prone. And Trey Burden is this generation's version of Julius Thomas. Is a guy who had one flash-in-the-pan season in a great offensive system and did crap elsewhere otherwise. No, I, I'm not usually in favor of bringing in veterans and taking snaps away from younger players. I want to see Noah Fant thrive. He should be a pro bowler, man. I'm so tired of seeing him be held back. I want to see Albert O come back from that injury, and I want to see what they can do with uh, maybe someone like an Austin Ford, you know, maybe a younger player that can step up instead of wasting money and snaps on an injury prone or, like you said, one-dimensional tight end who's only in there to catch passes. They have enough pass catchers. They need blockers. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Dale, what's going on, brother? Talk about a superstar. Good to have you. He says, Priest, hey, John, is there any word on how Albert O is doing after last season injuries? Uh, after last season, injuries have me very uneasy about this coming season. Yeah, but here's the thing about last season. I mean, it was an outlier. You know, we, we have our doubts about certain training staff. Not so much staff, but protocol <laughs> one person <laughs> <laughs> but the players don't for whatever it's worth man anytime they get in front of a mic and they're asked about him man they gush and so you know maybe we're just up in the night but it's something that you're always going to worry about it's something you're always going to be slightly paranoid about just because of how bad it was last year like for a moment there broncos fans felt the pain of what it's like to be a chargers fan where you're just relentlessly hit with key loss after key loss after key loss but you know Again, it was an outlier season, and we know the reasons why, right? It was the pandemic year, no OTAs, no preseason. Training camp was certainly a truncated, you know, almost like um, vacation version of a real training camp. And so they weren't able to get into tippy-top shape by the time it was pop and explode time, and they just started dropping like flies. I don't think you got to worry about that, but Zach – the latest I've heard on Alberto is that he's doing well, and that's from his own mouth. Um, I'm trying to remember if I've anyone told me anything particular about how Albert looked in OTAs or minicamp. I I don't recall quite, but no setbacks. That's the that's the the uh, the, the thing to take away here. No setbacks, uh, no re injuries, no re aggravations, and the thing with ACLs, it, there wasn't other ligaments involved. It wasn't something like an Achilles or something worse. I mean, ACL injuries are quickly uh, recoverable and quickly um, rehabable, if that's a word, which I don't think it is. But he should be all systems go for week one. I don't see PUP starting off the season. I don't see short-term IR. I see him becoming the number two and picking up where he left off behind Noah Fant because they were they were forming some chemistry on offense last year. But, but that one-two punch, and you put that one-two punch – Back with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and the rest, I mean, it just could be a lethal receiving group. I want to see Alberto come back, and partly that's why I don't want to trade Burton and I don't want to Tyler Eifert. 
All right, so we got one here from Fernando. And by the way, Fernando, we got your T-shirt is on the way, my friend. So thanks for uh, clarifying your address there. Who else is in the tight end room? Thank you for the super chat. Uh, all right, so here's your list. Let me pull it up and we can all kind of follow along here. We'll go to the team site um, that shows us Zerostea. Here's what you got. Let me get to the T's here, tight end. All right, here's the guy, Sean Beyer. That's the guy that came from uh, Jacksonville. Oh, no, it's Eric Saubert. All right, let me just go through it. Sean Beyer, Noah Fant, Austin Fort, Albert O, Eric Saubert. That's the guy that came from, from Jacksonville. So th- there you go. One, two, three, four, five. And they don't have Beck listed as a tight end, interestingly enough. Let's see. Is he listed fullback. as a fullback? Uh, yep, there he is. Oh, Adam Prentice and then Andrew Beck as a fullback slash tight end. So – Andrew Beck, throw him in there. He's a tight end. He's yeah. going to be used as a tight end a lot as well. So that's your uh, that's your depth chart. Not your depth chart, but that's your room. And the question becomes now, do they keep three or four? I mean, you could argue, do they need four tight ends? Can they get by with three? I would probably take three into the season, but we'll see what happens with uh, Alberto re- recovery and training camp in the preseason. Yes, indeed. Yep. So I know Bayer, he's, he can block in terms of, you know, he's more of a blocking guy. He's more of an inline guy than a move guy. Uh, Saubert, Saubert as well. But these three, Fant, Alberto, and Fort, I mean, these are pass-catching dynamos. Fort was really on a tear before Poor Choice Awards. He was really on a, uh, you know, good trajectory before he tore his ACL last summer. So it'll be interesting to see how that – was it last summer or the year before now? It's time flown that fast. Wasn't like, it two years in a row, though, he got hurt? I know he got hurt in 2019, but I thought he got hurt again last year. He has, like, the worst injury look. He's like the new Jake Buck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to search that. I'm going to search that. Put a pin in that for a second here. Um, Sam Bam, what's up, dude? Thank you for Thanks the super Sam chat. Bam. Appreciate you. Goes, uh, do you guys think that with the NFL now at 17 games and still – one bye week that teams will use mostly a running back by committee approach and the bell cow running backs will be more obsolete. Go drew lock. Yeah. I mean, the bell cow has increasingly been, you know, phased out over the last 15 years. There are a few, right? You've got your Zeke's you've got your uh, Derek Henry's you've got your, when he gets healthy in New York, what's the kid's name, dude, the Giants. Saquon. Thank you. Saquon Barkley. Uh, there are a few, I mean, but, Todd Gurley's of the world. Obviously, he's nothing more than a goal line vulture at this point in his career. So it's it's more trending toward bell cow, but you still need to have, or away from bell cow, you still need to have, Zach, that bell cow type, right? That guy that can be a three down um, running back, help you in the passing game, and just be that sensational superstar. And the Broncos are very confident that Javante Williams has that in his future. And it might not come to full fruition, in 2021, but by 2022, this dude's going to be bald. Yeah. And the great thing about Javante in the short term is he's used to splitting carries. He split carries with Michael Carter at UNC. And he, and because of that, he's also relatively fresh coming out of college, unlike Freeman coming out of college who, who led Oregon in carries and he had no tread left on his tires. So yeah, I think the Broncos will deploy the running backs, but by the end of the year, by week 17, I think Javante will be holding down that RB one mantle pretty firmly by the way now i remember this is austin fort from his wiki after going undrafted in 2019 fort uh was invited to compete in broncos training camp 
He impressed the Broncos, was signed to the team following training camp, caught 87 yards and a touchdown in the preseason game against Seattle, but tore his ACL after catching a 29-yard dive pass uh, and landing on his knee, meaning he dove for it. That, that came from Drew Locke, by the way. Fort was placed on IR August 9th of 19. And then, you were right, Zach, on July 29th, 2020, Fort was promoted to the active roster. However, he aggravated his previous knee injury during a practice, and the Broncos once again put him on IR. Awesome, but that's it, man. Yeah, hopefully the kid can avoid that freaking – hopefully that knee is back to where it needs to be, and it must be or else the Broncos would have just cut bait by now. What a curse room, though. I mean, even every player that's heard that room has been injured the last couple years. Fumagalli, Butt, now Ford, Fant's been dinged up. Albert O was lost for the year last year. I would not want to be a Broncos tight end in this day and age. Yeah, Diamond. So we have to be careful what words we use here because we don't want our show to be – unfairly um, suppressed and censored. But yes, we heard about Chiefs star edge rusher, Frank Clark, being arrested for having automatic <laughs> firearms. He had an Uzi. Yeah, I mean, what in the Sam Hill? What are you worried about, Frank? Like, why? I mean, golly. So yeah, we heard that. That's all I know. I just read the headline. I didn't even read the story, Zach. I don't know anything more about it. Yeah, I just saw the headline as well. And you know what? I hate to, I guess, not normalize it, but kind of downplay it. These things happen. It's the dead of the offseason right now, and players are out and about doing what they want. The Chiefs are quickly, though, becoming a, um, I don't know, a, a uh, the bad boys of the NFL with their recent transgressions against the law and things like that. But maybe Clark suspended. Maybe he ends up with a one- or two-game ban because of this. We'll wait and see, but honestly, not a huge deal. And then, of course, as mentioned, uh, also by Diamond, Vikings rookie defensive tackle Jalen Twyman shot four times in our nation's capital. Uh, Diamond Rattler says, I've read read he'll be okay, though. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, man, just crazy. I don't know the circumstances that led to that. I don't know if he was involved in something or some kind of innocent bystander, but probably probably was involved in something that got out of hand would be my guess. Do you know the story? I think it was uh, Schefter who tweeted that Rosenhaus, I think as his agent said, that he was wrong place, wrong time. So it seems like a random act of violence that he was caught up in, which is Golly. completely unfortunate. So, but, oh, gosh, hate hearing that. Black Knight 232, a legend in the house, bona fide superstar. What's up, Jeremy? He said, thanks for the help the last few days, guys. Also, Mountain Dew Baja Punch is a good drink. What, did you get a sponsor on, on your on your Twitch channel? <laughs> Checks on the mail. Do you mean yeah, Baja dude. Blast, though, from Taco Bell, the soda? Because that's fire. It's only good in Taco Bell. I don't know about Baja Punch, though. I don't know if that's a regional thing. Dude, I'll tell you. That's fine. But I'm all about the uh, – oh, the ser- – what do they call it? The, the It's like the the wine flavor. The It's not wine, but uh, – I was going to say they have a wine flavor. Oh, geez. Hold on. Uh, Code Red? No. Um, Which is the most fire of all. No, no, no. Mountain Dew uh, Taco Bell flavor. Hold up. Hold up. No, the red one. It's it's Code Red. Sangrita. That's the one. Sangrita. I love that, dude. That's my jam. I haven't if even I'm heard a, of that. It's oh, like sangria flavored yeah, Mountain Dew. It is the bomb. I don't. I'm not a wine drinker per se at all. But like that is wow. phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And Sponsor us, Taco Bell. Yeah, or Mountain Dew. We're here for you. <laughs> Come knocking. 
Um, Dale jumps in again. Thank you, Dale. Appreciate the support, brother. He says, Locke cuts his hair. Minshew cuts his hair. Gordon cuts his hair. Drew Locke, the trendsetter. LOL. Yeah, Drew came in high and tight, ready for war. It's like he, you know, it's like reporting to the Marine Corps, getting shaved up. and Or the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But yeah, dude, uh, maybe he is. Maybe he is, Dale. Wait, there's pineapple now, Mountain Dew? Apparently, according to Jason O'Neill here in the comments, I got to go out to the store and get me some pineapple, Mountain. That sounds fire. Thank you, Jason. I, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from the Sodi Pops. You know, uh, I've actually lost 14 pounds since my son was born. I'm trying to get back in. Get, you know, the dad bod has to be a thing of the past. All right, I got to get back on point. Um, all right, let me see here. Claude, good to see you, bro. Appreciate you. Yep, yep. Appreciate you. Um, here's one from US Dave or us Dave, or maybe it's it, Ustave. I don't know. Is Gordon's last year of his contract guaranteed? Yep. Pretty much. Four and a half mil base salary. Yep. Yep. He's here for this year, unless he gets traded, which, as we've talked about before, highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, highly, highly unlikely. Um, let me see. What, what, where we're at? 40 minutes. James Moss, good to see you, James. Longtime listener. Been a minute since I can re- remember seeing you on Super Chat, but we've missed you, James. Hopefully, you've just been listening, lurking in the background, listening on demand. Happy Great to have man. you in the chat, buddy. Thanks, James. How long a leash does Fangio give luck? He has to know he's on the hot seat, right? We've talked about this, but let's get into it. If Drew gets tapped to start opening the season, what's his leash? About this long. That's about it. It's it's not going to be pretty for Drew Locke if he gets the starting job. If he comes out there against – I mean, he has such an easy slate to start the season as well, Chad. The Giants are kind of formidable, but after that, the Jacksonvilles with their barely barely their defense, then the Jets, they're still going to be coming off a transition under Robert Salah. So if he starts out at the beginning of the year with you know five picks to one touchdown – he's going to be quickly considered to be yanked in favor of Teddy Bridgewater because, like the question posits here, Fangio's coaching for his job, and so is Pat Shermer, and they're going to do anything in their power to scapegoat anyone below them to keep their job. So, yeah, I would not anticipate Locke having a big leash. He's going to have to earn it, like we've been saying, each and every week. Yeah, he's he's honestly, I mean, even if he just crushes training camp and lays waste to Teddy Bridgewater, like leaves him in the dust, he's on a game-by-game proposition he's not a game by game leash and what i mean by that is i've i've said in the past that you know it'll probably take a couple of games of you know he would need like a raiders falcons type game uh, or series of games in a row for the broncos to pull the plug i don't think so i think he's in a situation and as zach just illustrated this coaching staff is so under the gun the city is so impatient for results on the field that if he goes out there and has a, you know, I just got to get this pick out of my system type game and opens up a really stinky first half, you know, the Fangio will pull the plug. He's going to be much more, he's going to be, it'll be easier for him. Let me just put it that way. Cause you got Teddy Bridgewater on the sideline. Remember Drew's the ceiling. Teddy's the floor, but Teddy's floor. This team believes you can win. You can get by. You know, especially you got ball control, um, rushing attack, and a formidable defense. Right. Like, so that was one of the big reasons why I don't think I think you didn't see the Broncos ever turn away from Drew last year during his slump in the middle of the season. Was who are you going to go to? 
Brett Rippon? I mean, you started Brett against the Jets because you had no choice. Jeff Driscoll had proven to be utterly incompetent. Bortles was not ready for prime time yet. He had just been signed barely by the skin of his teeth in time for the Jets trip. You had no choice but to roll out there with Brett Rippon. Whereas this year, Zach, you've got a, a, a guy who's started 59 games, I think is what his number is. Teddy Bridgewater, he's won a lot of games. You know, he's made a Pro Bowl. Coaches won't have to talk themselves into pulling the plug if Drew gives them a reason to do so, unfortunately. And so Drew knows that score, Zach. He's got to know that's the situation. And that's how it's going to be until he strings together three or four fairly dominant showings where he proves and he gives himself some breathing room. Like, listen, guys, okay, I, I'm, it's not a fluke. I'm holding it down. I'm a different quarterback. You don't, you don't have to replace me. Then his leash would grow a little bit, but it's never going to be infinite. It's never going to be like it was last year where he was, like you mentioned, grandfathered and gifted into the job by default because they had no one else. They have Teddy Bridgewater for a reason. He's a backup, but he's one snap away from starting, and that snap could come at any moment. All right. Here's Steve. Appreciate the super chat, brother. And I think it's this week, right? Aren't you on the schedule for this week? Let me double check that since I got my phone here handy. Let me have a look. Wednesday of this week, we've got Steve Baumgartner, a.k.a. Legend. That's what it says in my phone. I don't know. I don't know who put that in there. Legendary Steve Baumgartner. Yeah, we're looking forward to it, bro. He says, hey, guys, go Broncos. Drew Locke is my quarterback. One of the most outgoing, outspoken Drew Locke supporters in the fan base. Thank you, Steven. Good to see you. Clifton says, Teddy Two Gloves is better than Trent Dilfer on the 2000 Ravens. Our defense is equal to that team. I don't know, dude. Slow your roll, dog. Slow your roll. They look good on paper right now. We want them to be that good. Don't we're not trying to like rain on your parade, but let's let's get a snap in or two. Let's let it see. Yeah, but yeah, Teddy, you can get out there and scrap together some dubs if everything else is is firing on all cylinders. You know, whereas like with Drew, in you know the Drew we know today based on the first two years, right? Um, yeah, he really needs everything going in his favor as well. But he's got the kind of talent where he can transcend that and carry if he can turn the corner. So that's the key, right? And only time will tell this year if he's going to be able to do that. But I think he will. It's premature to say Locke's going to be Dilfer or that Denver's defense will be Baltimore's. If either of those components can get to mostly that level, they're going to be a playoff team and can make some noise this postseason for sure. Dave says, I am the master procrastinator. I won't read chapter one until Friday night or Saturday morning, but I will be ready for class Saturday afternoon. Right on, dude. It's going to be fun. I think it really will uh, just enrich the content. I think it'll just make it more fun and compelling for you, for the listeners. Also for me, because we'll all be talking about the same things. And it's one thing for me to say, here are my favorite parts about this chapter, talking about them, but you you can fire off some stuff as well. It'll be fun. Um, Travis, Facebook, you demand. Just curious if they signed our whole draft class. Last I heard, Williams and Miners and Browning hadn't signed. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, they're not quite all signed up yet, but it'll it'll happen. It's a matter of course. I say it every single year, and third round picks are particularly tricky with this CBA, CBA because there's offset language that goes into the contract. So they're always the last ones to sign. I know in Dallas, the lone remaining picks of their 11 player draft class are third round picks. 
it'll get done well in time for training camp. Not a worry at all. All right. Let me see here. I think we're pretty close to caught up on supers, but let me double check. Oh, we got Chase. What's up, Chase? Good to see you, bro. Thank you for the super chat. He says, who is your dark horse candidate on this team? For what? Um, Yeah, I mean, are we talking about team scope? Are we talking about like a dark horse to break out on the NFL type thing? Because if we're going to – if it's the latter, my dark horse is no offense. And you might say, well – Come on, dude. A real dark horse. No offense, a former first-round pick. Like, he has a profile. True, but he's still being slept on. He's my overall dark horse. But is there someone internally, Zach, who could be a dark horse that I'm missing here? I mean, a true dark horse, I don't know if Fant is a borderline already, you know, top 10 tight end in the NFL. I was going to take it more traditional and 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 give you a specific dark horse, which is uh, – Deshaun Williams, there's him. There's Jamar Johnson at safety. I mean, that's these are two guys on defense that not a lot of players know about, and he's, they're not given much chance to make some noise, but they can come out and push for snaps. So that's the definition of a dark horse. In terms of a more uh, mainstream or generic dark horse, uh, no offense, a good pick. I, I would say maybe Jerry Judy. I know maybe he, if he qualifies for that or not because he had a bad season last year or at least a disappointing one. Maybe Javante Williams. He could be the RB1 coming out of training camp or the preseason. But, yeah, I, I'm going to stick to Jamar Johnson on defense as my super dark horse because not only do I think he's going to win that third safety job, he's going to push Kareem Jackson to start opposite Justin Simmons. He's that good. I think, for me, the two guys that I'm tapping to break out this year, just guys who we are, we already know who they are. I'm talking like NFL, you know, scope. Noah and Draymond Jones. So it's going to be fun to see how those two guys, you know, turn the corner. I think they both will. All right. Let me see where we're at here. We got Dale. We got gears and gains. Let's grab gears, gains and games productions. GGGP. What's up, dude? Thank you for the super. If you're on Twitter message to all of our super chats, we want all of you connecting with us on Twitter, but super chat superstars in particular, because yes, we want to keep the conversation going by, connecting with you on Twitter. We also like to be able to tag you and shout you out after each show when you super chat as a show of thanks, give you some, you know, some flexing. So thank you, Gears. Am I the only one who really doesn't care who starts at running back? They both will play uh, evenly anyway. What's the big deal having to split carries? I mean, look, dude, it's the summer. We're trying to find stuff that's fun and compelling and interesting to talk about. I get what you're saying. But how cool would that be to see Javante come in and have such a summer, such a training camp, such a preseason that he deposes a two-time Pro Bowler and like the de facto number one like understood running back? You'd be looking at potentially like Clinton Portis type rookie season, who as a second round pick, rookie in 02. Yeah, 02 blew the doors down, right? 1500 yards. Clinton Portis went on to become one of um, – I, I don't think this has been – I don't think anyone else has joined this trio, I'm about to tell you. Clinton Portis, 02-03, became the third running back ever to rush for 1,500 yards in each of his first two seasons in the league. Edron James and Eric Dickerson are the other two at the time, unless someone's broken that. But I don't think so because the, the league's gotten away from rushing and more toward passing. But Clinton Portis – I'm not saying Pookie is the next Clinton Portis, but both were second-round picks. And I know Tatum Bell, second-round pick as well, didn't pan out. But 
Monte Ball, second round pick, didn't pan out. But Javante, he's wired different, I'm telling you. Yeah, he's going to break the mold. And the only reason I care, and I agree with everything you said uh, there, Chad, the only diff- the reason I care is because he's Melvin Gordon is the fifth highest paid running back in the NFL, sixth highest paid, you know, $8 million a year, four and a half guaranteed. And you're going to not show up for OTAs, barely show up for minicamp when you have a second round rookie pushing you. So, Melvin Gordon said he wants to endear himself to Denver and be the best running back he he can be. I want him to be that because it makes the Broncos offense better. So that's the reason why I care. On its face, a a one-two punch of Gordon and Javante Williams is pretty lethal when you factor in the rest of the Broncos' weapons on offense. But if it's just Javante and then Freeman and Mike Boone, that's less daunting for an opposing defense. So I care, not necessarily for title, but I care for each player to play up to their potential, uh, Gordon included, especially. All right, Dale, again, thanks, brother. If if all the top wide receivers, Sutton, Patrick, Judy, Hamler, ball out, do you think there's a chance Sutton gets traded? I really don't. I really don't. I don't see it. Sutton's a guy... What he could be like the next Megatron for real. If he had, if he gets quarterback consistency and that knee stays healthy, I mean, Patrick, Judy, I mean, put Patrick aside. This is like Patrick's last year, unless something happens to Sutton. And by that, I mean injuries. All right. But Judy, who knows? Maybe he goes on to be an f- absolute superstar. He was a first round pick. Hamler, maybe he becomes the next Tyreek Hill. But Sutton has already showed you in the league that he can give you Megatron-type results. My ball, throw it up in the end zone. I'm coming down with it. doesn't have to be perfect. I will come down with the ball. That is so valuable. You saw how much he was missed last year. Just when the field gets small, Zach, I mean, it's one thing to go deep. You know, um, I I remember the uh, Vikings game that Brandon Allen started where they got up 20 points in the first half, right, back in 2019, Fangio's maiden season. And there was this one play I can recall of Brandon Allen dropping back and throwing probably about 35 yards um, down the left uh, sideline. And it was one of those inexplicable how-did-he-catch-it type scenarios for Cortland Sutton. Those are really cool to see, but his biggest value is when the field shrinks and you're inside the 20 and you just need to punch it in there, this guy will go get the ball. I don't think I think Sutton is as close to untouchable as anyone on this team, honestly. Go watch the Chargers game from 2019, the second one, when he's being pass interfered with in the end zone and the ball is just in the vicinity and he goes up and gets it for a touchdown. The guy is a beast. And my answer to the question is, if every other receiver is balling out, why wouldn't Cortland Sutton be balling out too? That would mean the Broncos offense is just clicking and rocking and rolling. The only way it doesn't happen is if Sutton gets injured. And if he does, he has no trade value anyway. So no, I there, if there's one receiver they should be investing in, Last year, you know, notwithstanding, it has to be sudden. Like Chad said, the guy's already established. We talked about what Jerry Judy could be, what KJ Hamler could be. We don't have to wonder what Cortland Sutton could be. We know what he is. And what he is at this level is a top 10 guy and a baby Megatron. You don't trade those away. You invest in those and you retain those types of players. Well said. Real quick, as we're starting to wind down here. I got to give a quick shout out, and then we're going to grab Quincy here, uh, to the these awesome super supporters on Facebook for showing us the love. Shane Daniels, 
you the man. Randy Jones, you the man. Travis, love you. Gary Leeds Palmer, legendary. Jeremy, you the man. Claude, Brad, really appreciate you guys. Thank you. You you're showing up in spades tonight, and it's a sleepy, quiet Monday night in the in the beginning of the NFL summer. We need your support. We appreciate your support. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. And I miss seeing Zebulon there. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, where was that one? Um, there it is. Quincy, Zach, Chad, what's up, bros? Y'all know how much I like Drew Locke, but if Locke and Bridgewater don't pan out this season, would y'all like to see Brett Rippon back next year? I think he was pretty decent. Plus, he was chosen last minute to start. He can only get better. Hey, I like Brett. I really do. I think he's a very high value. Um, you want to talk about a guy with a relatively high floor as well in terms of his relative inexperience. I've talked to Brett. He's got a really quiet confidence about him that you just kind of go, whoa, dude. Like he's not out there rah-rah and he's not rapping on the sideline. I don't say that to cast aspersions on Drew. I just mean their personality differences. But when you ask him to talk about his capability as a, as a quarterback, to talk about – you know, scheme, like this is a very competent cue, but we can't get carried away because there's a reason he went undrafted. All right. And the reason he went undrafted is he's lacking that juice on the arm. You know, (laughs) he can be a competent backup. So if those both quarterbacks don't pan out this year, Broncos are going to go draft a guy and Brett will stick around. They'll keep Brett around to be the uh, backup. Maybe they end up going and finding someone, else to be a you know more proven veteran backup but he'll stick around I think I mean I I wouldn't mind having him back but back on the coaching staff I mean what does he really (laughs) offer as a player I mean he can be like a Kellen Moore I just retire and start coaching quarterbacks that's what you should be doing you're doing it already you're just not getting paid for it on the sideline so he great guy to have right now for someone like Drew Locke very heady guy great locker room guy but not really offering much in terms of quarterback on the field all right, guys. Um, I think there's one more, and then we're going to dip on out of here for tonight. From Sam Bam again, you demand. Sam, thanks, bro. What's the timeline for Marshmallow Man's grievance? If he doesn't win, Broncos get to save the cap space, right? Yeah, Maybe they seven. can use some of that to give Cortland and Chubb extensions. Go Broncos. Yeah, so the cap space is already cleared. That's gone. Like, that's done. So the grievance is – is um. You know, he wants I, – I don't think he's going – I could be wrong about this, Zach. I might be misremembering what I read. I don't think he's asking for the full nut, the full guarantee of what he ended up losing out on the guaranteed portions. But based on his contract, based on the injuries and this and that, there's a certain amount of that guaranteed money he feels like he's entitled to. I don't think he's going to win it. I mean, the dude got hurt. Broncos are going to have all kinds of evidence to show – this is just me speculating, all right, on these um, arbit- uh, arb- what do you call it? arbitrated ar- hearings, whatever, um, where you've got an objective person in the middle. Both they bring their their uh, evidence to the table. You know, here's my contract. Here's why I got it. Well, the Broncos are going to take them all the way back. This arbitrator, arbiter, excuse me, that's the right word, arbiter, all the way back to 2019 when. Jawan James was cleared to play middle of the season and he refused to play and they ran him out there again, week 14 on the road at Houston. And he claimed his knee was buckling, but from a physical medical standpoint, there was no evidence to suggest according to, you know, this is based on 
purported stories, things we've heard that he had anything wrong structurally with his knee. Then you get to 2020 and he checks out laters have a good season y'all. And then he tears his ACL or his uh, Achilles away from the facility. The Broncos have will be able to establish that, that there was a pattern there. All right. And I, and without going down a rabbit hole of casting aspersions on Juwan James more than we've clowned on him over the years, I don't think he's going to get another red cent of that money from the Denver Broncos. Plus, they are going to also factor in he got a contract from the Ravens. He's technically a Raven. He got a two-year deal. I think it was worth – I forget the total value, but it's worth some money. So he's already getting money from them. He milked the Broncos for $17 million in 2019 and played 63 snaps. I don't see him winning this case, but like Chad said, the Broncos already cleared the cap space because of his salary. That's why they're number two in the NFL in available funds. Okay, two more, and then we're out of here, starting with Dave. What's up, bro? Thank you. Need lock magic, please. Yes, we do. We need some lock magic. It needs to happen. We saw it as a rookie, and we saw flashes of it in year two, but we need to see it on the reg. That's what we need to see. Appreciate you, Dave. Uh, And then Eric, he's in the house. What's up, bro? He says, hashtag keep it real, Calberman. Always. Love it, dude. Thank you, Eric. Well, guys, thank you for showing up on a Monday night with not much going on in Bronco land, except your football priest reporting for duty. Hey, as long as you show up, we're going to keep showing up. So thank you. Only, you know, compared to last year when we were doing this, Zach, at least we know there's going to be an NFL season. Like there's no doubt. There's no question. Is there going to be a season? What are we doing here? There's going to be a season. So that should be exciting and encouraging. And a normal one with fans, yes. not cardboard cutouts of South Park characters. Yes. Fans, humans. And – MHH meet and greet. That's right. At the freaking stadium with your football priests, with the Buana Beast. I know Eric's going to be there. I know Lance is going to be there. Uh, we got the crew coming, Luke, huh? Luke will be there. Um, trying to think who else I've has said they can, they can soft confirm they'll be there. Anyway, it's going to be a gas, you guys. We want to see as many of you as possible. Mike will be there. I know Mike Evans will be there. Uh, KB, Kenneth Booker, will be there. It's going to be so cool. So, there's a lot to look forward to. In the meantime, we got to make hay and keep the, the snowball rolling downhill until July 27th when training camp kicks off. So, guys, we're off tomorrow night. It is building the Broncos, of course, on Tuesday nights. But Zach and I will be back in the saddle Wednesday night. We'll see what happens in terms of news, rumors, reports, this, that. But in doubt, if there's ever a question of news, you guys know we're going to go to the roster. We're going to break things down. Keep showing up. We'll keep showing up. Zach, sign us off, bro. Yes, sir. Have a great Monday night, Chad, John, everyone else out there. We will see you guys on Wednesday. Be sure in the meantime, though, to follow the Huddle Up Pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Follow the mother account at Mile High Huddle. You can go to the store. Oh, I'm so sorry, John. Buona Beast on Twitter at John KMHH. Follow that man. I promise you it's worth it. You can go to the store, though, get some merch like you see us wearing at huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Also, if you can, guys, go to facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Become a supporter. Big blue button. We have exclusive content, exclusive shows. I promise you it's amazing stuff. Uh, We appreciate your subscriptions there. If you can't do any of that, though, we totally understand. Three things we ask of you on YouTube. Subscribe, like, and share. It helps us out, guys. We say it every single episode for a reason. It helps us out more than anything else. Uh, We'll be back in the saddle, though, Chad. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Take care, guys. And as always, go Broncos. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.